Hello Church. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it, and we will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders asked them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so begins the final week of Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. A period of time the church has come to call Holy Week. This last week of Jesus' life begins today with Palm Sunday. As most of us know, it's called Palm Sunday because in the story, people were waving palms as they shouted their affirmation of Christ during his triumphal entry. This is such a familiar story to many of us, and it occurs in all four of the Gospels. And as I was praying over this passage this week, I felt like God gave me three questions. They just emerged from the text, and I wanted to share them with you because I think they're a fitting, appropriate, timely set of questions. Let's get started. Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem that day, and as he entered the city of Jerusalem, he came in from the east, over the Mount of Olives, down into the Kidron Valley, and then he ascended the Temple Mount. But Jesus wasn't the only one to enter Jerusalem that day. History tells us that on that same day, coming not from the east, but from the coast and the west, on that same day, Pontius Pilate was entering the city of Jerusalem as well. Now, these two parades could not have been more different from one another. Jesus was riding on a donkey, Pontius Pilate on a war horse. Pilate was the Roman governor. And make no mistake about it, it wasn't Herod the king who was in charge in Jerusalem. It wasn't the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or the priests. Pilate, the governor, was in charge. And he was coming to town that day because it was Passover week. Most historians agree that somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.5 million people descended on the holy city for Passover week. And Pilate brought his soldiers and his chariots and his war horses into Jerusalem to keep the peace which is a nice way of saying he brought a tremendous show of force. So if anyone began insurrection, he could stop it. 
two great leaders, men of power, entered Jerusalem that day. One on the back of a war horse, followed by an army. The other on the back of a donkey, with four fishermen in tow. As Jesus entered the city that day, people started to shout the word, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. The word Hosanna means save us now. The people were in search of a savior, in search of someone to keep them safe. So let's go back in time for just a moment. Let's say that you are somebody who's in Jerusalem that week. Wall to wall people. There's some fear of insurrection, fear of things being stolen and broken, people being hurt. So let's say you're in Jerusalem that day, and you've got to pick one of these two guys to put your trust in. Which would you choose? Which person would you choose to keep you safe? To save you now? My guess is that most of us, if given the option between picking the guy on the donkey and the guy on the war horse with the army at his back, if we were looking for someone to keep us secure... Most of us, we'd have picked Pilate. This is is the heart, the tension from which our first question emerges. There are a lot of places in our lives where we could put our trust. First question I want to ask is this. Where is your hope? Where are you placing your trust? Where is your hope today? I need to tell you a story about something that happened to me this week. My entire life, I've been a bit of an insomniac. I just struggle to fall asleep. It's gotten better in recent years, but last week, I was wrestling with it again. One particular night, it was the middle of the night, and I I just couldn't. I couldn't seem to drift off. So, I grabbed my tablet and I started reading Eventually, I settled on some articles about current events and particularly around COVID-19, the coronavirus. As I read more and more about various people's opinions, what would be the impact, how long will this thing last? As I read and read, I discovered my anxiety really starting to grow. And it wasn't long before I worked myself into actually quite a lather over this. But it was in the middle of the night. I couldn't talk to my wife about it. That wouldn't have been very kind of me. So I began to do what I should have done in the first place. I prayed. And in the midst of that moment of prayer, I had a bit of an epiphany. I thought about all those amazing healthcare workers who are walking right into the teeth of this crisis. Doctors, nurses, uh, all of the folks working in the hospitals and in, in those offices. I thought about the people who are, who are doing the, the, the work of first responders. God bless them. People who are doing research to try and help us fight this virus. The medical community, the first responder community, these people that we so often put our our trust in, they are amazing people and right now in particular are doing amazing things. But what struck me is, as grateful as I am for them, 
That's not where my hope lies. I'm grateful for good leaders. And we have seen some really great leaders emerge, both in the business and in the political and civic arenas throughout the midst of this crisis. I'm so grateful for those leaders and for the work that they are doing. But at the end of the day, my hope isn't in our leaders. Our economy is going to recover. It'll happen. It might take a little while, but it will happen. But my hope isn't in the economy. The Bible talks about a peace that surpasses understanding. A peace that is so present and so real that the circumstances don't matter. Where's your hope? I want to suggest that there are a lot of places we could put our hope. We could put it in the strong. We could put it in the smart. We could put it in the wealthy. But my hope isn't there. As grateful as I am for all those people who are working hard, my hope belongs to Jesus Christ and to Christ alone. So the next time that fear tries to steal your peace, remember where your hope lies. There is one who will never leave us nor forsake us. Where is your hope? That's the first question. It comes from the context of this story. Two different leaders, two different places to place our trust. Where's your hope? To ask the second question of this text, we needed to take a little bit of a field trip. We're here today at the Mary Oaks Farm in Stafford. And with me is my friend, Barnabas. Barnabas is a donkey. Jesus rode in on a donkey. Something I learned about donkeys today is you can see coming up Barnabas' back is this brown stripe, and then across his shoulders is a stripe. Mrs. Smith, the owner of the ranch, told me that all donkeys have a cross on them, reminiscent of the truth that our Savior rode them. Well, Jesus did ride into the city that day for the triumphal entry on a donkey, which was actually pretty common for Hebrew people. It was a tradition of sorts. When kings were riding off to war, they rode horses, but when they were coming in peace, the tradition was to ride a donkey. Zechariah tells us that the Messiah will come on a donkey. First Kings teaches us that on the day of Solomon's coronation, he rode a donkey. So in fulfillment of the tradition and the prophecy, Jesus needed a donkey. So he sent his disciples off in search of one. <laughs> he told them that when they came across this particular donkey, that they should bring it to Jesus. And if anyone questioned them about it, they should simply say the Lord needs it. So off the disciples went with their marching orders to find the steed. They found him. And they began to untie this donkey. And then, as you might imagine, the person who owned the donkey came up and said, what are you doing? That's my donkey. The disciples followed their instructions. They said, 
The Lord has need of him. And that's the last that we're heard of that conversation. They take the donkey off with them so that Jesus can enter the city of Jerusalem triumphantly on the back of this donkey. We know very little about the people who owned the donkey Jesus rode on. Almost nothing. But we can surmise a few things. In a time when wealth was scarce and people lived on the edge of uh, life, it's very likely that the donkey that Jesus borrowed that day was the most prized possession owned by the person who owned that donkey and that family. It was their, their treasure. We don't know a lot about this family, but what we do know are two things. First, we know that when God asked to use something in their lives, they said yes. And the second thing we know is for the rest of their lives, they would get to tell their friends that Jesus Christ rode their donkey into Jerusalem, that God had used their gifts, their resources to help bring salvation to this world. So here's the second question for today. Who gets to use your donkey? I know, you might be saying, I I don't have a cool donkey like Barnabas. But we all have some things in our lives that God will, will, can, and, and would use to help bring hope and light love and salvation to people's lives. We all have those donkeys that can carry Christ into the world. It's been interesting to me over the course of the last few weeks to watch the perspectives of scarcity that people have inhabited. It's almost been as if we're afraid that eventually God's going to stop providing for us, but we know that's never going to happen. Not only has God given us everything that we need, God has given us more. God's given us an abundance God has given us the ability to be generous, to care, and to share our donkeys, our resources, with others. So, church, (laughs) my question to you is who gets to use your donkey? Will you let the living God use your resources, your gifts, to carry hope and light? love, and salvation to this world. One final question emerges for us today. In Luke's account of our story, after the people have shouted Hosanna, waved their palm branches, after the the text from Zechariah 9 is read, the Bible tells us that people were shouting their praises to Jesus. And in that moment, a group of priests walked up. And they said to Jesus, Jesus, why don't you tell your followers to be quiet? Remember, this was a time that was prone towards riots. And the priests were trying to keep things calm. Jesus, why don't you keep your followers quiet? I love Jesus' response in that moment. Jesus said, if they didn't speak my praises, the rocks themselves would cry out. If they didn't praise me, the stones would cry out. Brothers and sisters, we've been redeemed and forgiven. 
We're called a holy generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. We've been called out of darkness and into light. Our God brought us out of death and into life. And as we praise God, we bear witness to the truth that our God is good even in the most difficult times. What has your attitude been the last few weeks? Have you found yourself anxious and fearful? Have you found yourself simply angry over the things you couldn't do? Or has this been an opportunity to take stock, an inventory, and give thanks to God for our many, many blessings? Here's the third and final question. Will you praise God even in the storm? It's not the easiest moment for most of us in our lives right now. But our God has been the relentless source of blessing, kindness, goodness, and joy. Our God has led us through valleys before and will lead us to the next mountaintop as well. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. Our God is called Emmanuel, the one who walks with us. Our God endured great challenges, even the cross, to buy our salvation. Our God has and continues to love us desperately. Let us praise Him. I, for one, don't want to let any rock or any stone have to cry out because I kept my mouth shut with the praises of the living God. Will you praise God? Will you praise God even in the midst of the storm? There they are. A familiar story to us about Jesus' triumphal entry. Posing three simple questions. First, where is your hope? Is it in convention and power and authority or leaders? Where is your hope in Jesus Christ? Secondly, who gets to use your donkey? Your talents, your resources, your gifts. Would you place those in God's hands right now and watch how God uses those things to carry salvation into this world? The final question is this. Will we praise God even in the storm? For some of us, this is a dark moment. We all have them in our lives the living God has brought us through, carried us through each and every time, has purchased our salvation and given us life. Will we praise God in this moment? I hope we will. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship today. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, We thank you that you are the one who is always worthy of our hope and our trust. We ask for your forgiveness for the times that we have allowed ourselves to begin focusing on other things 
Help us to place our trust, our hope squarely where it rightfully belongs in you. Lord, there have been some times in our lives where rather than sharing the things that we had, we've embraced a moment of scarcity, a mindset of it, as if you weren't going to provide enough. Change us, O oh God. Grant us a complete and full recognition that you're going to provide. Not only enough for us, you're going to provide more than we need. And so we should be generous. Let you use the things in our lives that you need to bring light to this world. And because of all you have done, because of the way that you've brought me out of darkness, the ways that you have saved us, God, we will praise you this day and forevermore on mountains and in valleys, we will praise your name in the storm and in the sunshine. We will praise your name. No stone, no rock will have to cry out for us. Bless us, O oh God, that we might go forth and be a blessing to others. In Christ's holy name, amen.